0: 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou In the house. And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So he went from him, so she went from him, and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. I want to preach on this thought just for a few moments, and I will direct some comments to mothers in here today, but really it's for all of us and all, especially parents in here and those that have an influence on another generation, which really that touches everybody as well, grandparents and everybody. And I want to preach on this thought this morning, how to save Your children. How to save your children. And our studies in the life of Elisha have brought us here to a very, very tragic scene. When verse 1 begins to describe the scene to us, we are immediately brought into a story that introduces grief upon more grief. Do you see that? This woman is a widow. Her husband has died. I'm not sure all the time frames that are here, but she is left alone to raise her two sons. And now, probably because of a loss of income and a loss of a provider in the home, now there is the threat of her losing her two sons to the creditor. And in this economy and under Jewish law, if you had debts that you had accrued and you were not able to pay those debts, there was no chapter 11 or chapter, what's the other one? 13. There wasn't any chapters for you. There was only, you got to pay it off somehow. And if they took everything that you had and the only thing you had left was your children, then they would take your children. And those sons were expected to pay the debt off. They were expected to work until the debt was paid. And so now she is separated by the grave from her husband and she is soon to be separated by the creditor from her two sons. And there are a few lessons when we, learn, when we look at this story. And of course, this is a story of victory. It is a story of triumph. It is a story where God comes through. And aren't you glad God can? This is a story where God is able to come through and meet you you where you're at and help you in your time of need. And I'm thankful that He is able to do that. There are a few lessons here. Of course, one of the greatest pictures that we have here in this story is a story. Uh, uh, it, it is a story of salvation. It is a there is an application of salvation here in this text. It is a story about put yourself in these in the place of these two boys. They are they are about to be separated from their mother. They are about to be taken as slaves. Because of a of a debt that they did not personally, uh, personally put themselves into, but it was done by their father supposedly and pres- and presumably and presumably and but yet it was going to affect them because they did not have the ability to pay. Well, when I think about that, I can't help about the situation that we're all in. Our father Adam put us in great debt, did he not? And yet, ourselves, we do not have the ability to pay. We have not paid any on that debt. In fact, our own choices have made that debt even larger and even greater. And we were going to be we were going to be separated for all of eternity because of the debt that we owed that we could not pay. But thank God for the oil, Amen. All in your Bible is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And God supplies the oil and they are able to uh, have their debt paid off. They couldn't pay it, but the oil paid it for them. Amen. And I'm so thankful for that. And at the end of this story, what you have is you have them living on that all. Not just not just their debt paid off from that all, but then they are living on not just enough to pay their debt, but now you're at zero, but enough to pay their debt and for them to live on. Woo! Isn't that good right there? Thought about when God saved me. Not only did He pay my debt off, but man, He sure has given me a lot to live on. Amen. I'm glad not only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ it paid my sin debt, but it didn't just put me at zero. Man, it has given. Me blessing after blessing after blessing and I am living on what He has supplied for me. And so there is an application of salvation. Not only that, but there is a lesson about not only an application of salvation, but there is a lesson in this story about the afflictions of life. The afflictions of life. Because in one verse, verse number one, we have death and we have debt and we have potential desertion here. This woman will be all alone. I'm talking about some of the greatest fears that we have in our life. Some of the greatest fears that anybody could have in their life. They are all packed into verse number one. She is literally facing all of those things. Her husband has died and she has nothing. She's living in abject poverty and now she is going to be separated from her family, from her boys, the ones that she loves with uh, with all of her being. And this woman, she went from a supposedly happy home. She went from a home that looked uh, like everything was good. Her husband was serving God. Her husband was a preacher, if you'll allow me to put it in that vernacular there. And she went from that to everything being just fine and serving God as a family to now she has absolutely nothing and she is staring poverty and the most heartbreaking situation right in the face. Can I tell you something about life? It can change just that fast. Life can change fast. I'm going to tell you, don't put your trust in riches. Don't put your trust in people. Put your trust in the Lord. Because everything in life changes, but He never does. Life can come at you real, real fast. Even, even, even if you've given your life to serve God. Can I tell you something about her? Her husband was a part of these sons of the prophets. He was in Bible college, if you allow me to say it like that. He was in seminary. He was being used of God. She even brings that up to Elisha in verse number 1. My husband fears the Lord. He feared God. Almost as if to say, we've done everything right. We've served God. We've given God our life. Why are these things still happening to us? Why are these things happening in our life even though we have served? Can I tell you that serving God and giving God your life, can I tell you something, friend? That does not make you immune from the problems of life. You can have both coexisting in your life. I love God. I'm serving God. I'm trying my best to stay close to God and my whole world's falling apart. You can have both going on at the same time. And people that serve God So it could kind of, as like a vaccine, like that it kind of immunize you from problems. They think, man, if I serve God, if I'm faithful to church, if I go to Sunday school, if I read my Bible every day, then only good things are going to... If that's why you're doing that, because you think only good things will happen to you, if you do that... Listen, you don't believe in the Bible. You believe in karma. That's what you believe in. That's pagan. That's wicked. That's the heathen right there. If I do good things, good things will happen. That's not Bible doctrine, my friend. You can love God and serve God, be be perfect and upright in all your ways like Job, and your whole world can fall apart in a day. And you'll find people that are serving God because they love God and people that are serving God because they love comfort. There's a difference. And you'll find when the troubles come and the problems come, the people that are serving God because they think it'll immunize them from problems, they don't serve God no more. They get mad at God. They get bitter at God. God, I serve you. Why are you allowing these things to happen in my life? But we do think those thoughts, don't we? What have I done wrong? God, I've done everything right. We've spent our life serving you. You let my husband die. Now my boys are going to be taken. They've already took everything we have. And now now my boys are going to go. Lord, why, why? Listen, that is life. That's part of the afflictions of life. There's another lesson in here, and that's about the attention of God. And I love the fact that God, through Elisha, through Elisha, takes time to meet this woman's need in her most desperate hour. And aren't you glad that God knows where you're at? He knows what you're going through. You think it was any accident that Elisha just happened to pass through? Do you think it was any accident Elisha and and her happened to meet up? God put them together so that He could meet her need. Here's what's amazing to me in the chapter previous, chapter 3. Where's Elisha? He's tagging along with the armies of Israel and, and, and Judah and, 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 uh, and the other one, whatever it is, it's, it's escaped my mind. There's three big armies, three national leaders, three nations, and Elisha is helping helping them defeat and helping them sustain their armies in the wilderness. You mean remember that? And we have no problem believing that God is concerned and that God cares about the national. National affairs and global affairs and, and big armies and big nations and important kings. We have no problem with that. But in it amazing, the very next chapter after God is solving uh, through Elisha national emergencies. Now he's not dealing with a nation, he's just dealing with one little family. Can I tell you the same God that cares about the nations, he cares about your family? The same God that's ordering the affairs, setting up kings and putting down kings. and He's got his... Listen, Russia don't make him nervous and China don't make him nervous and and, uh, nobody makes God nervous. Amen. All the nations are just a drop in the bucket to God and the God that is in charge of the entire universe. That same God cares about your home and He cared about a little widow woman. Isn't that a blessing right there? Man, that's enough to shout on right there. God's eye is on the sparrow. And if His eye is on the sparrow, then I know, oh, I know that He watches me. Isn't that good? Makes me want to sing because I'm happy. And then let me give this really where I want to preach just for eight minutes plus another 15 there's a lesson in here not only on the attention of God and the afflictions of life and of course an application of salvation but there is a there's a lesson here about the affection of a mother. Cuz really on the very on the surface the very essence of this passage what is it? It's a mama. It's a mother who would stop at nothing to save her children. Who would stop at nothing She was willing to do the embarrassing. She was willing to do the absurd. (laughs) Do you see what Elisha told her to do? You got a little bit of oil? Okay, great. Go get a bunch of empty pots. Okay, now if if you think that she thought immediately right there, okay, well, I guess we're going to fill all these pots up with with oil that never runs out. If you think that's what she was thinking, well, God bless your heart. All she knew is that's what the man of God said. That's what God told me to do. But she was willing to do what ever it took. This mother was used of God to bring about salvation in the lives of her children. And I'm here to tell you, and when I talk about salvation, listen, only God can save a soul from hell. Mamas can't save their kids. You understand what I'm saying this morning. But what I mean by that is this, is that God has put mothers and parents and other people in the lives of our children for a saving purpose. Mothers are meant to protect and to rescue their children from the dangers of life. You see, there are more dangers than just of hell. There are dangers of life. There is the ruination of a life and there are the miseries of this world. There is a captivity to sin and strongholds of Satan that can snare our children and mamas. A lot of it is up to you to save your kids, to rescue your kids from the dangers of this world. and Isn't it true that we live in a world where a lot of moms are just too busy, aren't they? Mothers are too busy with their own personal lives, their own careers. They don't notice the needs of their children. They don't care about the spiritual needs of their children. They don't notice the threat that this world And all of the things that are in this world, they don't stop to consider that there is a threat to their children's very existence. Yes, only God can save the soul from hell, but mamas, you can save your children from a lot of heartache. You say, how do you know? Because i got a mama that did. And I thank God. You know, Proverbs 31 says that her children rise up and call her blessed. I have to do that today. And I know many of you can do the same, that I can, I can say, thank God for a mama that prayed, and thank God for a mama that protected, and thank God for a mama that said no. Thank God for a mama that backed up daddy when daddy said no. Thank God. I tell you what, I tell you what mama did. Mama saved my life in a lot of ways. She's willing to intervene and do something. And I thank God for that. Every mama in here can purpose in their own heart to be a mom that does what she can to save her children. And at the end of this passage, these boys are they're on their way to freedom from the claim of the creditor. And why is it? It's because this mama intervened. She loved her children enough to stand up and say, Not my kids. I'm not going to let the creditor get my kids. I thought about, these are very simple, obvious things. I'll give you a couple and I'm done. I thought about some things that this mama did to save her children. Number one, I want you to notice her supplication. Her supplication. You know what supplication is, right? It's prayer. It's a prayer that has a petition with it. You notice how this text began? Look at verse number one. Now there, what's that next word? Cried. Now there, say it with me. Now there what? cried. Now they're cried a certain Woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha. She cried. It begins with a mother's cry. It begins with a mama crying. That word cry, it means to shriek. That's literally what it means. It means to cry out. It's not some quiet thing. It's not some private thing. But it is a proclamation of her grief. A proclamation of her need. A proclamation of what she needs done in her life. And she cried out. But listen, crying alone, that's not supplication supplication is a prayer of petition but listen, get this part, to God it's supplication, what makes it what turns it from crying into prayer is where you take that crying, notice that she said she cried that it says she cried unto Elisha, of course anybody would be crying in her position why wouldn't you be crying in her position when all these bad things have happened in your life and it looks like things are just going to get worse of course you would cry, of course you would shriek, of course you would cry out in despair and agony, but the question question is this it's not are you broken hearted but it's where are you taking that broken heart to that's what turns it into prayer it's not just agony but it's taking that agony to God to the throne room taking your request letting your request be made known unto God and she took her cry to Elisha Elisha was the embodiment the earthly representation of the word of God and of even of God himself and when she took that to Elisha she was taking that to God saying I need God to intervene in my situation and I know it's simple preaching this morning but mamas you got to pray for your kids If you don't cry out on their behalf, if you don't intercede for them, if you do not intervene for them, listen, probably more than likely, nobody else is. If you're not praying for your kids, nobody else is praying for your kids. And I want you to see what a difference it made when she took her cry. If she'd have cried to the neighbors, nothing would have happened. If she'd have cried out in the marketplace, nothing would have happened. If she'd have got alone in her bedroom and just cried to herself, nothing would have happened. But when she turned that cry to supplication, when she turned it into prayer and took it to God things picked up there's power in prayer y'all believe that there's power in taking things to God do you got some wayward children are you worried about them are you just concerned for them do you want them to turn out right take your prayers to God take them to God I know that's simple preaching but why don't we do it supplication Take them to God. Take it to God. Cry out to God on behalf of your children. She took her children and her children's need to God. She recognized the danger. And she took the problem to the only one that could help. And that is the very most basic thing mothers need to be doing to save their children is prayer. Pray for your children. Take them regularly to the throne room. Pray for your grandkids. Pray, pray for, Listen, pray for your children. If they're raising, you say, I don't got any kids in my home. Pray for your children that have kids in their home and pray that God would help them to raise up their kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Spurgeon said this. He said, I cannot tell how much I owe to the prayers of my good mother. He said, I remember her once praying. He he remembers, Spurgeon remembers his mom praying out loud, and here's a prayer that she prayed. Now, Lord, if my children go on in sin, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. And my soul must bear swift witness against them at the day of judgment, if they lay not hold on Christ and claim him as their personal savior. That scared the daylights out of little Charlie Spurgeon. Thought my mama been a witness against me. Oh, Miss Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon's mom was praying and said, Lord, if they go to hell, it won't be my fault. It won't be because I hadn't been praying for them. And our kids, listen, my kids may turn out to be the worst ones it's ever been. I don't know. Let's hope they're more like their mama. Say amen right there. But I don't want it. I don't want it to be in spite. I do want it to be in spite. If they do, I want it to be in spite of the prayers that I've prayed for them. Pray for your kids. Pray for your children. That's simple, ain't it? Are you doing it, though? Are you doing it regularly? I'm going to tell you something, mamas. Nobody can pray for your kids like you can. Nobody can. The preacher can't pray for your kids. They ain't a preacher in America that can pray for your kids like you can. And I even believe this. I believe daddies. We ought to be praying for our kids. But listen, there's just something about mama's prayers. That mama carried them babies in her body. Gave birth to them. Ain't nobody loves him like you do. Nobody can pray for them like you can. There is a passion and a power that only exists, I believe, in the prayers of a mama. I think a daddy probably would have done give up. <laughs> but mama said no. You can see there's moms throughout the scripture that, I mean, with passion and intensity, they prayed for and protected their children. That's how a mama is. Do you care enough to pray? Do you take those cries to God? Her supplication, number two. Not only her supplication, but I want you to see her submission. Her submission. Verses two, three, four. These are some of the most absurd instructions that could ever be given. What do you have in your house? That's what. Man, I, there's so many, so much preaching in all this. I'm skipping over a lot of things that I could say, but. Maybe for another time. But she said, he said, what do you have in your house? She said, I don't got anything in my house. Well, I mean, I got this little pottle. I mean, you know, just a little bit. That's all I got. That's, I mean, that's nothing. If that was enough to pay anything, do anything, she would already have. She'd already have used it. Isn't it amazing how God will use what you got in your house? We think we need other things. God said, no, I'm going I'm to take. God said, I can take what you got right there and I can use it. Oh, man, there's good preaching in that. I'm not preaching that this morning, but. So I got this pot of oil. Here's what he said. Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. Okay, that's weird. You go around to all your neighbors and that, not, not ask them if you can have them, but borrow them. That means you got to give them back. Borrow them. Can I borrow a cup? Can I borrow a bowl? Can I borrow a dish? Anything. A vase. Anything we could put this oil in she don't know where this oil is going to come from she goes around and they get vessels from all over you know the neighbors had to be thinking what are they doing you know the neighbors had to be thinking you know maybe, maybe the neighbor they're, they're congregating somewhere and, so, and say you know you're going to, this is so weird you know Mrs. Smith down here I don't know what her name is I don't see it in here so Mrs. Smith down there you know she, she barred empty vessels she, borrowed, she just wanted a, a bowl of nothing that's all she wanted they already got nothing now they got more nothing and then the other neighbor said, You know what? They, her boys come by my house and ask for the same thing. Wonder what they're doing. Can you imagine what they're scratching their head, wondering what in the world is going on there? He said, maybe we, can, maybe we can see. No, the, the door shut. They don't ever shut their door, the blinds are closed. What is, you know, everybody in the community, they all had to know something is up and what is going on in there. They all wanted to know. What an absurd thing to do. What's amazing is Elisha gives her these absurd instructions with, with and, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Like, what, what, okay, whatever. But she's at the point of desperation. And I love verse number five. It says, so she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. You say, what is that? This is simple, simple preaching. You ready? It's submission. It's obedience. Y'all still with me? She did what he said. How about that? She did, no matter how crazy it was no matter how weird it was, no matter how confusing it was, no matter what, how embarrassing it might have been to do all these things, she was at a point where she did not care. She had no hesitation to follow out this strange plan. And can I tell you, Mamas, the simplest way for mothers to have a saving influence on their children is just simply be obedient to God's Word. Just do what God said to do. I'll tell you... Kids, it's hard for them to get away from the example of a godly mother. There's so many, I don't have all the quotes here, but you can look it up. There's so many quotes of great men who have done great things and all this stuff. And how they praise the influence of a godly mother in their life. And it may seem odd at times, you know, doing the word of God, obeying the word of God, submitting to his will. It may seem odd at times. It's not always I don't understand that. Have you ever? You ever felt compelled to obey the Word of God even when you didn't understand? Even when it didn't make sense? Have you ever done something and your neighbors thought you're crazy? And people around you, they think you're crazy. Listen, if you come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, your neighbors think you're crazy. You're crazy. If you go to church rather than the ball game on Friday night or revival night or whatever, if you do that, if, listen. People think you're crazy. You give what? You give what to missions? You, you 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 what? Where you go? What are you doing? This world thinks we're crazy. I'm gonna here tell you. Let them think I'm crazy. What are you doing? I'm saving my kids. Is what I'm doing. I don't care what you think. I don't care what this world thinks. I'm a, My kids have more of priority than what this world thinks. This world thinks I'm crazy because I don't let them do this, and don't let them go here, and don't let them. Do that. You can. This world can think whatever they want to think. Let them talk. I'm just going to keep on pouring. Just let them think whatever they want. I'm going to keep my kids. I'm going to do all I can to keep my kids. Submission to the Word of God. Let the neighbors talk. Let hey, let family members talk. Listen, if you've got family that's lost or carnal, they ain't going to understand either. In fact, if they got the Holy Spirit side of them and they're backslid, they're going to be mad at you. That's right. That's right. Anybody that's ever been saved and they've compromised, they get mad at the people that won't compromise. Right. It's always that way. Let them be mad. I remember one time this lady approached my dad. That was a bad idea. My dad's a scary guy. Approached my dad in the parking lot. This lady at church, well, I don't know if I should say it, but anyway, this lady at church. And she let her boy just run around and do whatever he wanted to do. Of course, my dad wouldn't, wouldn't let me. <laughs> thank God for it. Thank God for it. I'm not mad. I don't have to go see a therapist every Thursday. I'm not popping pills over it either. They made me brush my teeth too, you know. And I still do that every day. Sometimes, two times, three times a day. And I thank God. Parents did. This woman approached my dad in the parking lot one time and just almost just fussed him because not, had nothing to do. He didn't say nothing about her boy. He didn't tell her how to raise her kids, but it was just he wouldn't let me do some things that she was letting her boy do. And she came in the parking lot and just gave him the what for. Now, I don't remember what dad said. I don't remember what he did, but because I, I think I walked off. I didn't want to see what he did. I just thought, oh, this ain't going to end well. And so I just kind of walked off. But it was in that, that moment in my mind, I remember thinking, you know what, my parents are raising me different. They're raising me. They, my, I remember thinking in my mind right there, my dad don't care what, other, what mouthy deacon's wife say. She don't care. We don't have any of those around here. I'm just saying she was one. My, 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 my parents don't care about that. They care more about doing things, according to this Bible right here, I just want to stand and say, thank God for it. You say, what, were, what was he doing? Why did he make that stand? Why did, I'll tell you what he was doing. He was saving my life from a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble. And I thank God for it. Submission to the Word of God. Oh, and i tell you that word submission, isn't that a cuss word these days? Isn't it though? Especially for women. Oh, don't tell tell me to submit. I don't need no man telling me what to do. Isn't that how they say? I'm let anybody tell me what to do. Submission. That's bondage. Don't put me in bondage. Can I tell you something? Let me tell you something about this woman. She's already in bondage. Let me tell you something about her boys. They're about to be, look at at the end of verse number one. What are they going to be? They're going to be what? Bond men. (laughs) You know what that is? Men that are bound. They're already in bondage. They're already under under a load. They're already oppressed. They're already, they're already about to have everything taken from them and ruined. Can I tell you what submission to the Word of God did? It did not oppress them. It did not bind them. It freed them. It gave them a freedom like they never would have known. And can I tell you, submission to the Word of God, it's not bondage. Thank God it's glorious freedom. There is freedom in serving Christ and loving Christ and knowing Him and submitting to Him. In fact, I would dare say that's the only real freedom in this world is when you come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. You'll never know freedom like you will when you let God's Word guide you. Amen. And in this society full of anti-authoritarian children uh, rebel against their parents and wives rebelling against their husbands and husbands rebelling against the Word of God and people rebelling against their pastors and, and everybody rebelling against the police and everything. That's the way we live in the society that we live in. Man, God, give us some people that will just say, I will submit myself to this book. That's where you'll find freedom. That's where she found freedom. That's where her boys found freedom, was in submission. Do what God says. Her supplication, her submission. And I'll give you one last one and I'm done. Her sincerity. Now, when we use the word sincerity, use the word sincere, a lot of times we we think of it at one kind of just part of the definition, which we think, you know, somebody has good intentions. Well, they were sincere. You know, they had good intentions. But the word, it's, it's, a, little, it's, a, it's a little deeper than that, a little, a little bigger than that. It has the idea of being free from hypocrisy. No hypocrisy. Sincerity. Purity. Something that is, has no hypocrisy is sincere. And I want you to notice in verse number 5, and I'm done. The Bible says, So she went from him. Look what it says. And shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. She began to obey what God told her to do. But listen, she did it behind closed doors. She's a mom that didn't just cry in public. And put on a display in public. But she was a mama that when the doors were closed and the blinds were pulled, she was obeying what God had told her to do. And can I tell you what made the biggest impact on her boys? i am tell you what it was. It's what was done when the door was shut. It's what was done behind closed doors. And mama, you can come to church and you can cry and you can shout. And you can sing in the choir. But I want to tell you what's going to make the biggest impact on your kids. It's who you are when the doors are shut. It's who you are when nobody's looking. Can you do what God said when the doors are Shut. That is where the biggest impact is made. Her supplication. Her submission. Her sincerity. She was real when the door was shut. Because anybody can do what they're supposed to do in public. She it's when she was away from the preacher. And the door was shut. What was she doing? She was doing what he said, wasn't she? That is one of the greatest compliments I think any parent could ever have from their kids. It's not, oh, my, my dad, you know, was the best dad, or my mom's the best mom, or my, a lot of money, or they took me here and did that for me, or let me get this and let me do that. One of the best compliments we can get from our children is, you know what? They were the same. They were the same, behind closed doors. By the way, your kids know. And if you got kids from the age of uh, 6, 5, between 5 and 8 years old, their Sunday school teachers know. Because they have prayer request time. And all them teachers are doing is just getting blackmail material. They ain't praying for them things. They're writing it down. I bugged that classroom. I listened. That's how I know what to preach. Pulpit. <laughs> they, but they know, don't they? Behind closed doors. Miss Maddie, I want you to come around the piano. Sincerity. Our children's lives, maybe even eternities, they hang in the balance. And and mamas, we need you. You're on the front lines. You're number one. You're the tip of the spear. You need to be sharp. you would be doing all we can to save our children. Do not underestimate your influence. Do not undervalue your influence. Do not take it lightly. Influence that you have on your your sons, your daughters, your children. I read this little poem here. It said, I took a piece of living clay and gently formed it day by day and molded with my power and art a young child's soft and yielding heart. I came again when days were gone. It was a man I looked upon. He still that early impress bore and I could change it never more. Those impressions that we make on them as children they harden. They grow up. And they'll always be there. But it's not easy to change. I think, is it I think it was true at Kathy, the Chick fil A guy. He says it's easier to build boys than it is to mend men. And I'm going to tell you what, you get a small window to have big influence. And then after that, after that, it's just, just a little bit you can have. I'm going to tell you what, steward it right. And do everything, fight tooth and nail, scratch and claw, cry and pray. Do everything you have to save your kids. It'll be worth it. Amen. Let's stand together all over the building.